0: Welcome to episode 91 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Hello, hello. So today, Dirk, I thought it would make sense for us to discuss some of the latest advances in healthcare and digital technology, just because we care deeply about uh, both of those areas. And I thought maybe we would start our... uh, exploration of the news in this uh in this item from the university of uh columbia engineers there have uh determined that they can uh uh, put together a smartphone hiv test which in you know 10 or 15 minutes uh enables you to tell you know whether or not uh you have hiv and and also um uh, can tell you if uh, if you've got syphilis or not. And it's extremely interesting to me because, you know, a combination of the smartphone technology along with, you know, just a simple uh, pinprick of your finger to get, you know, a blood sample basically puts this diagnostic uh, tool in the hands of uh, everyday people, and maybe even more importantly, in the hands of doctors in you know less developed nations who can run tests on the spot um, and sort of determine whether or not uh, any of these diseases are, are present in the uh, in the patient they're seeing. Uh, so, so to me, the having these diagnostic tools coupled with uh, the smartphone. Uh, says that we're entering a, a new era of healthcare in a way that, you know, maybe uh, I wasn't quite as attuned to before. Uh, how do you, how do you uh, take all this in? Yeah, I mean,
1: it's, you know, it's steps on the path. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing this technology continue to progress and evolve where our devices can take data from um, ourselves and interpret it and interpret it in ways that, you know, used to be done in expensive labs and take a long time. And it, it, it truly is just sort of one step closer to the Star Trek tricorder. Like that's the end game in a certain way. The The technology, of course, will be different. There it was, it wasn't was technology in Star Trek. Um, the manifestation will be different. Um, but I mean, we're, we're heading toward, you know, if, if you're going to... Um, if you're going to hook up with someone you just you know have something that is not much more um, that th- that is not much more intrusive than a breathalyzer that gives you a very quick readout saying yay, you know this person's clean or booth you know this person has xyz i mean this is this is one step on on that path and it's it's a something that's coming pretty soon
0: yeah, you you touched on a, a couple of things there. Uh, one was the uh, you know sort of the speed, right? So so immediate uh, diagnostic tools, uh, which you know can be very important. Uh, second, the the price tag, right? So and and really the mobility of the solution. So so now um, you know you you don't have to. Uh, you know, go through your insurance and go through uh, waiting for the lab to get back to you and um, you know, going to the doctor's office, et cetera. But rather, you know it's all sort of right here right now um, and provides you with that capability. At the same time, I know that uh, on the other side of this, there's going to be, you know questions about how does this data get? interpreted right so it it might be uh very nice if you have a nurse or a doctor there with you um, for this immediate diagnosis but what if you've uh you know had a few too many to drink before you you know uh do this diagnostic exam on yourself um how do you process this kind of information that you know that's it's going to be you know an interesting question um you know, I don't know whether you can stop people from from doing that. Probably not. But it'll be interesting how you know we can deal with that kind of interpretation in real time. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's one of those things
1: that um, you know there's a lot of uncharted territory there, and we'll have to see how it how it all comes together um, in in the real world.
0: Yeah, to uh, you know talk a little bit more about you know the powerful. Um, and and sometimes overwhelming um, aspects of, of this kind of diagnosis. Uh, our friends at 23 and me are now back online, kind of, not not online insofar as you know uh, on, on the web, but rather enabled to give interpretation for uh, particular types of Uh, genetic disorders, which they had been banned from, you know, by the FDA, uh, uh, had banned them from doing that because, you know, they weren't uh, following all the FDA marketing procedures. And secondarily, the FDA was worried that people were going to get a hold of these uh, genetic tests, this genetic information, and wouldn't know what to do with it. Well. You know, as of the 19th of February, uh, FDA has allowed 23andMe uh, to uh, uh, give the the results for one particular uh, genetic syndrome, uh, which is called Bloom syndrome, which is uh, related to uh, uh, to a cancer, uh, high probability of cancer. But this is sort of the you know just one in a series of a lot of kinds of um, diagnostic tools that 23andMe could offer. And the fact that the FDA has allowed them to proceed along this one front um, is seen by some as, you know, uh, you know, opening up the door again for 23andMe to have this wider distribution. Um, I know you have some experience with 23andMe, Dirk, um, what's your take on, you know, this, this flood of, uh, of information around, uh, your genetic material and, and secondarily, you know, what are your thoughts on people, uh, people's ability to interpret it or not interpret it for themselves?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of tricky, a lot of tricky things embedded in there. I mean, from from a strict consumer use perspective, I mean, it's it's generally interesting. I think we might have talked on a previous show about um, different, you know, different people could take the information differently. So uh, we, we don't, we we haven't. Um, solved an understanding of of the human condition and human personality to the degree which we can yet identify hey this person can see this data and deal with it well this person it's going to have unintended consequences on them Um, so we're, we're not able to to apply those kinds of filters to to the data and and there are cases where Access to the data, whether it be something that is, you know, FDA approved, um, as is the case with with Bloom, or if it's just some of the, you know, the the sort of Chinese menu of options that Twenty Three and Me has for, um, let's let's call it less rigorous or less, um, at least less officially approved data, uh, you know that. D- different people are going to take those in in different ways. So, um, I don't know. You know, then then we get into issues uh, of privacy, and with twenty three andMe or or a similar service that has taken your genetic code and um, interpreted it. You know, getting that or getting portions of that data in the wrong hands could be, you know, really detrimental to to people um i don't know the genetic stuff it's all it's all really complicated and doubly so as other technologies are are moving forward um you know cloning and uh, i don't know it's 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 tricky it's tough stuff
0: yeah I i think there there really is a burgeoning need for uh call it you know whether it's service design or emotional design or uh you know these sort of handling these aspects that relate to the inner workings of human beings um, and and structuring, you know, products, you know, that, I mean, in this case, it's an informational product, but it could have a lot of, you know, very real-world consequences for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, finding ways to sh- structure the way information is delivered and, and to provide that, uh, um, I don't know whether you'd call it a, a framework for empathy, but some way of of communicating to people in in a way that is adjusted and and tweaked for their personality and that's going to become increasingly more important i I think there's probably not enough work done uh in considering you know those aspects um or rather more work needs to be done when when considering the human uh factors there
1: yeah, yeah, for sure, and I mean it ties into more mundane, um, <laughs> a more mundane battleground over these things as well. You know, I mean I've, I've talked before on the show how I, I kind of don't worry about online security. You know, I, I just I, I like the benefits of being online. I assume it's outside of my control anyway to really control my data and information, and so I just um, say c'est la vie. But that that gets really dangerous when you're talking about your genetic code. Um, you know, it's it's dangerous enough when you're dealing with your bank account, but uh, you know, pro- typically, you know, the, you can get your money back and you can sort all that out. It's a big pain in the ass, but whatever. Uh, if somebody gets your genetic code, you know that that ain't changing. That's not something that you can rekey in or set up a new account for. That's it. Um, and so the the potential downside with with some of these things that get more closer to sort of the biological. Essence of of who and what we are. There's there's real real exposure there. So, um, you know, I still am sort of blindly stumbling forwards, um, just enjoying the benefits of some of that information without um, without taking you know extreme measures to to protect it but I I don't know that I could protect it even if I even if I tried I mean you know the hackers can can get into um, you know to to, into government repositories they can get into repositories of the biggest for-profit companies in the world so um, I don't know it's all I you know I actually I hate thinking and talking about it because the more I do it's just depressing it's like oh god this this battle has already been waged and lost Um, and all it is now is just, you know, who's gonna, who's gonna screw me over um, in in potentially really bad ways. But,
0: ah, yeah. On on the other side of that, I mean, you've got the the folks at, uh, uh, you know, the Personal Genome Project uh, over at Harvard, who are actually, you know, open sourcing their, uh, um, you know, their entire genetic, you know, personal genetic code. Um, so so those are people who who are maybe even you know farther along the uh um uh the spectrum uh than you are or or that I would be um and you know are just willing to share share that information um you know i guess for for the good of science and humanity and whatever other you know uh reasons they might have um but but we actually had a a project with with uh with pgp and you know even they still need to figure out what the relationships are going to be between the personal genome project and then all the people who are who are involved in it because this is really a lifelong commitment in some way when you're submitting your genetic material for for open source so yeah lots of difficult design and you know patient or user experience problems however you want to uh, frame those uh, in the area of genomics. Um, yeah, you know, there's there's all of these. The, the, the problem is unintended consequences,
1: right? So, you know, you know, we live in the United States. We live very comfortably and safely. So it seems, yeah, open source your genome. Why not? You know what what could possibly happen? But um, I mean, you know, history has shown us that when, when one group can get its foot on the throat of another group, it, it will. Uh, the, the question is how, how far have we evolved? You know, if we remove ourselves from this wealthy, stable culture, um, you know, will, will things still be safe? Will we still have the same sort of, um, protections and civilization and rationality that, that most, most of us enjoy? And, um, if history is a guide, you know, there's, there's a pretty decent indication that, that we won't. And so once you've open sourced your genome and it's out there, I think it's really no problem in the world we live in today. But in 150 years, what impact might that have on your descendants given changes in the world? It's, it's just such such an unknown. I mean, if you, if you assume in all of the best of human nature if you assume in all of the best of of the future and the potential of our species yeah then you know you can you can do it but the downside if you're wrong is is disastrous i mean it was it's actually kind of similar to uh, last night you know i was watching the walking dead i don't know if you saw it as well john but the 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 whole point of the show was that the the leader of the the group of heroes that we've been following for all these seasons is sort of paranoid in being overly overly safe and overly cautious and overly suspicious um, of other people of opportunities to integrate with another group and you know the point that it was making was like this guy's being being an ass he's really going overboard but like if If he doesn't do that, and if he trusts and is wrong, everybody's gone. (laughs) Like everything is lost. And, you know, that really is probably the mindset that we should be taking with some of this stuff. But I think instead we're, you know, we're um, slaves to, um, you know, shiny things and sugar and fat and um, a, a lot of stuff that makes us feel very safe and happy and uh you know are we i don't know
0: yeah that's uh you know that's an area we're going to have to dig into a, a lot more i'm sure uh over the over the coming months is is uh the the safety of uh of genomics and and uh that area but let's let's talk a little bit uh now about uh this last news item that i wanted to touch on uh and you you had mentioned earlier in the program about the uh the star trek uh tricorder right the uh uh the way of determining all your uh uh health metrics uh with with a simple scan well that uh that vision anyway i think is present in the scanadu product which is you know just recently been brought to market and they've announced uh, yet another piece of their uh, health metrics puzzle which is a, a urinalysis um, strip basically, which can, you know, tell you a variety of things, you know, in, in just a few minutes. Um, I believe so far they've, uh, they've got a, a pregnancy test, which, which is, you know, fairly common with, with analysis. can also tell you if, uh, you know, if you've been smoking weed or not, which is, uh, uh another use of analysis, And then also, uh, for determining, uh, diabetes, um, so all of these things are, uh, you know, available to the user of the Scanado product. And, and I think it, it it just, you know, re-emphasizes the point that we made earlier, you know, about the smartphone HIV test, which is you've basically got the capabilities of a very expensive lab, um, which have now been reduced to, you know, not, you know, things that you can basically put in your pocket. Um, and... I, I'm excited by that. And I actually think that, you know, maybe this year, 2015 is, is going to be a real breakout year uh, for, for these digital health uh, mechanisms. What, what's your take on that, Dirk?
1: You know, I, I am not plugged in enough to the the underlying technologies and the way that they're evolving to, to make a statement about this year being a breakout year or not. I mean, certainly we're seeing interesting products. Certainly we're seeing advance. But how far are we from that tipping point where it goes from this little feature, this little thing that's really cool, but, you know, you're, you're really not going to, as a consumer, certainly you're really not going to do very much with it, to something that is more of, um, you know more of a robust product or or a truly killer app. Um, I don't know
0: yeah the uh, I mean for for myself, you know this this idea of the smartphone as the intermediary between you and the health system or as kind of a um, this tool that could help the health system scale. Uh, in a more robust fashion, I, I didn't really buy into that argument before because a lot of the mHealth solutions um, that, that I've seen, while interesting, just didn't have that, that um, completeness, uh, I, I guess. With, with all these diagnostic tools becoming available at such an inexpensive price point, I can kind of see now the... Um, uh, the potential there for the the smartphone or the the mobile device to really be a center for you know managing health in a way that when you just say digital health it doesn't I don't know if it really captures that but but it's almost like all of these tests that and and dongles and urinalysis strips that sort of plug into the phone like it made for me a lot more real that possibility so so i think that's what i'm reacting to in part um and then of course just the uh um maybe we can call it the shiny new object syndrome but uh has got me really excited about uh the space in general yeah, I mean, it, it is is—it is an exciting space and the
1: potential for it to really to change the world in, in ways that just aren't conveniences, but are really important to ourselves as as people is, is significant.
0: Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you want to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? Dirk?
1: You can follow me on Twitter at Dniemeyer, that's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R, or email me Dirk at GoInvo.com.
0: So that's it for episode 91 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time.